Hello, welcome to The Briefing. It's Wednesday, the 16th of September. And in a moment, we're going to talk about learning to be alone, a crucial lesson for your 20s. I think that sense of loneliness and that sense of confusion is so ubiquitous for everyone, but it's something we really don't talk about. We're going to have a bit of a DM with the girls from the Shameless podcast a little later on The Briefing. First, Jan Fran is here with the big news stories of the day. Yes, good morning. A question for you. How would you like to come back to Australia, but via quarantine on Christmas Island? Wow, sounds lovely. That's an opening question for you this morning, Tom. (laughs) Yeah, the Prime Minister's been pushing the states to increase the cap on the number of return travellers they're willing to take, and now the Western Australian Premier Mark McGowan says he's open to it if they're put in detention centres. There is Christmas Island, there is Yonga Hill, there are the defence bases with numerous um, accommodation facilities, both in Western Australia and all over the country. They could literally take thousands of people into those. Sounds pretty hectic, having to stay in a mm. in a detention centre. And there are around 25,000 Australians that are believed to be stranded abroad as well. Western Australia has the country's second highest cap on return travellers. This is after New South Wales. And that's only 525 a week. The Northern Territory, West Australia and Queensland, that they are quite happy to have uh, more uh, people coming into their states and territories uh, if uh, the Commonwealth helps with quarantine. That was the federal opposition leader, Anthony Albanese, there. Meanwhile, within Australia, some states are continuing to open back up. So some good news there. Yesterday, we got this announcement from South Australian Police Commissioner Grant Stevens. Effective midnight tonight, uh, the requirement to quarantine for 14 days will be lifted for people travelling between ACT and South Australia. Sadly, no luck for people from New South Wales wanting to get to South Australia. They'll still have to isolate for two weeks. Yeah, baby steps. While some good news is less than a day away for regional Victoria. So that region is moving to stage three at midnight and that is slightly ahead of schedule. I am absolutely delighted to be able to announce regional Victoria from 11.59pm tomorrow night will be able to take the third step. Up to 10 people will be allowed to dine inside cafes and restaurants and up to 50 people in outdoor areas. And an update on a story we brought you yesterday about a Melbourne father who was hit by a police car and then had his head stomped on during an arrest. That man had to be put into an induced coma. Deputy Commissioner Neil Patterson says he suspended a senior constable after watching the video. I form the view that it's an inappropriate use of force by a police member with regard to the uh, the kick or the stomp to the head of the man involved in that incident. The man's brother has responded, telling Nine that the family wants an apology from police. Big, lovable teddy bear sort of thing. Um, but, yeah, he, he wouldn't have been out there to hurt anyone. He just wanted to get out of the situation he was in because he was, you know, stuck in a hospital bed for 23 hours. I want them to come forward and apologise to us, family. Yeah, and the officer who stomped on the man's head has been stood down but on full pay. And the officer that was driving the car that knocked the man over has had his licence to drive a police car revoked. And the Harry Potter author, J.K. Rowling, has released a new book that is sparking further criticism that she is transphobic. Yeah, in recent months on social media, Rowling's experienced backlash for her views on trans issues. And last month, she returned her Robert F. Kennedy Human Rights Award because the organisation's president said her views were deeply troubling. So the new book uh, called Troubled Blood, which is the fifth in Rowling's Cormoran Strike series, includes a violent male character who dresses as a woman to lure in victims. 
Yeah, J.K. Rowling's been standing up to the critics, defending her views on trans issues. She was also one of the prominent people who signed the Harper's Bazaar letter uh, pushing back on cancel culture. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see, I think, how the book sells and whether the controversy makes any marked difference to sales. You know, they say no publicity is bad publicity. Could increase sales. Well, it could. I just wonder the effect it has on the trans community. All right, Jen, we'll catch you tomorrow. Annika Smethurst is back in the studio as we talk about being alone and what you can learn from it. Today's briefing topic is a little bit different to the other topics we've done so far. We often cover the big news stories. We delve into the important issues that are shaping our world. I mean, we've even got hardcore journalists like Annika Smethurst on the show. (laughs) Not too sure about that, Tom. But look, the biggest news for you or me or anyone is often actually what's going on in our own lives, even for hard journalists. Look, and (laughs) 2020 has given many of us a chance to reflect on that even more, our lives, on our jobs, on our friends, on our partners. Uh, What decisions did we make to get here? Were they the right ones? Yeah. And the hosts of the Shameless Podcast, which is one of Australia's most popular podcasts, have written a book called The Space Between. It's all about living in your 20s and the mistakes you make in your relationships, your career. Um, It's also about the challenge of being alone and For many of us, it's only when you're in your 20s and you leave home that you actually feel alone for the first time in your life. And you're about to hear that learning to be happy alone is is one of life's most important lessons. Michelle Andrews and Zara McDonald are the hosts of the Shameless podcast. And by the way, they have a pretty epic backstory. They took the idea for the podcast to their bosses at Mamma Mia and were told no. And then yes, but someone else should do it. So they went and did it alone and now they're killing it and they're only 26. Michelle, Zara, welcome to The Briefing. You've written this great book that's going to be really helpful for people, especially living alone in COVID. How important is it to have those alone times in life? I mean, I think they the, have been the most crucial parts of my 20s so far. I think I I remember writing in the book that nothing forces you to say yes to things like opportunities or moving into state or going traveling, like feeling like you need to be alone or feeling like you're going through something with like something, a big heartbreak or a big friendship breakup. I think it's those moments for me in particular, where I felt like these are the times where I really do understand myself a little bit more and actually do seize opportunities, particularly those kind of moving into state ones or traveling ones. I think when you find yourself in your twenties and in a very comfortable space, you're so much less likely to say yes to things that can really shake things up. So for me, that's been huge. Yeah. And to be honest, I don't even think it's just breakups. I think it can be any cataclysmic life change. And I feel yeah. like in your twenties, mm-hmm. there are so many for me, my parents splitting up in my twenties and my family kind of being cleaved in two really forced me to go out and find who I was going to be or I, to be honest, threw myself into work and threw myself into my career. When these big life changes come, that's when you're forced to find yourself and forced to kind of find your way through and what path you want to take. Yeah, and you guys sort of talk about the the pain that happens in those moments in your 20s, but then um, the the great thing is that you have the freedom to respond to it um, in any way you want basically, but it can be really hard, don't you think, to embrace that freedom when you do feel so unsure of yourself and so unstable? I just feel so lost and so confused at so many different points. And I think that's something that when I was in my early 20s, I didn't realise that everyone was feeling. I think that 
sense of loneliness and that sense of confusion is so ubiquitous for everyone, but it's something we really don't talk about. And nobody knows what they're doing. Nobody knows what they're doing, particularly when they're kind of like plucked out of school and trying to figure out where they want to go at the age of 18. I feel like all of my friends, I feel like all of my loved ones went through some really dark times in their early 20s because they just didn't know where they wanted to go. So that was a huge part for us as well. That And that's important to us why we wrote it in our 20s. That's a question we've gotten a lot. How can you write a book about your 20s when you're only 26? But to be honest, I think that's kind of the beauty of it. I would hate to get to 30 and gloss over some of the really tricky or isolating experiences of your 20s. I feel like being in the thick of it means Zara and I can better connect with people who are feeling the same way we feel right now. And the other thing as well is we felt our sense of loneliness was so much more extreme in those early years in our 20s. And it was still really fresh for us. Like we wanted so much to touch on the loneliness a lot of people feel at university. I think the university experience is sold to us as something that's incredibly formative, that Mm. can be incredible for our social life. But I think the disjointed nature of, of many university experiences speak to how lonely you can be and how you can feel like you're just a number and that your social life doesn't look like what you thought it would. Yeah. So that sense of loneliness in your early 20s was so fresh for us that we wanted to get it down on paper straight away. Yeah, it's such a good point. Did you find that was your experience, Annika, that you the irony of loneliness was that everyone else was going through it too, but you just didn't know that at the time. You thought it was only you. Yeah, and I think it's a big change too from a school environment. They often talk about that spoon-fed stuff and not every school experience is the same, but it's a big jump to go to a really bustling big university. And despite the fact there's so many people there and so many opportunities, it can be really isolating. It was the most isolating, I think. I I, I shouldn't say most isolating because it wasn't the most isolating experience of my 20s, but it was an incredibly isolating one because it was one I just hadn't expected. Like when I went to uni, everybody said, like, you're going to make, you know, your lifelong friends. You're going to really find your niche and find what you're interested in. And it took me two or three years to really understand and appreciate where I was and what I was going to, you know, make of my time there. Yeah, and it's also the first moment for a lot of us that you actually spend some time alone because you grow up in a in a family household and there's Mm. always action and people coming in and out of the house and then for me I know that those first few days walking around on campus where I didn't know another soul on in the whole university was just like actually the first time I'd truly spend a few days alone. Yeah, you feel like it's been like a ghost-like experience. I remember going through university and just feeling really, really lost or like almost invisible on some days because if you're not one of the kids who really throws yourself in or if you don't make those friends early on, it can be a super isolating experience. So certainly for Zara and I, we wanted to put that down and we wanted to tell that story of going to university and really not enjoying it very much um, or not having that idyllic teen-like or um, college dorm room experience because it certainly wasn't the truth for us. And the irony here, of course, too, is that we were at uni, which was kind of like the most mainstream way to spend your early 20s, and a lot of people don't go to uni. And I think the uni experience is sold as something that that won't make you lonely, lonely. So we know from our radius who also didn't go to uni, the loneliness you feel about maybe not conforming to what people think you should be doing can be a very lonely one too. So it's a complete double-edged sword. You've touched on it a bit, but I wanted to talk about friendships. And, you know, friendships shift from your early 20s to your 30s. You might have mm. a big group of friends coming out of school and that might whittle down to, I guess, a few close friends. Another thing that really struck me was the thought that 
not all your friends are going to be everything to you. You might have friends that are really good for support, other friends you go to for a laugh. And I guess how have you found the adjusting friendships throughout your 20s? Well, I feel like this is such a important question right now as well, because I think COVID-19 and lockdown, we both live in Melbourne, has forced both Zara and I to really reassess our friendships and our social circles again. But speaking about my early 20s, I think when you are going through all these huge changes, you are kind of just coming into your own and becoming more confident in your own voice. Naturally, you will be shedding so many of the friendships that were probably friendships of proximity. I feel like a lot of the friendships I had before my 20s were simply ones that came about from going to the same school or being put in the same classes together and spending all this time together. But I think everyone's early 20s means you probably go through a lot of friendship breakups and you probably lose a fair few people in your life and you then have to redefine what you want in a friend and what you value in someone. I feel like in pop culture, we always talk so much about what you should value in a romantic partner. We kind of make all these do's and don'ts lists for what the perfect boyfriend or girlfriend looks like. We don't do that for friends. It's kind of like your friends just are. Yeah, I was actually driving along yesterday thinking about advice I would have given my younger self about being in my 20s. And and the thing that came to mind was that things don't last forever, that things change and they often come in phases. And you have this sense that your life's going to be set in stone in your 20s, who your friends are, what your career is, and that you really need to get it right but it's so much more about experimentation. And one of those areas, of course, is your career, which is so so daunting and challenging and, and scary when you're in your 20s. And um, you guys have a pretty well-known story that you had a really tough career moment where you took the idea for your Shameless podcast, which is now a smash hit, um, but it got shut down uh, initially. What did you guys learn from that whole thing? I think we've learned one key lesson that we keep wanting to pass down to any man or woman who picks up this book is is that if you have a good idea, some people might be too busy or kind of too preoccupied with other things to notice it and to pursue it anyway. I mean, we did have the idea for Shameless quite a few years ago when we thought that, you know, the mainstream media probably weren't talking to young women in a way that we wanted to be spoken to. Like we wanted to have conversations about reality TV and pop culture that weren't stupid, that kind of touched on the meaty stuff too. And so you're right, we did pitch it to a workplace at the time who had the biggest podcast, you know, women's podcast network in the country. And they said yes. And then a few weeks from launch, they said no. And I think what we took from that conversation was that they may eventually pursue the idea down the track and we may not be the perfect hosts for it. So I think the the biggest thing we learned in that that context is to take the idea and run. And people may not recognise that good idea in the moment. In fact, nobody did. I mean, we pitched it to every podcast network in the country after that as well, but no one... No one picked it up. And I think there are moments where women across the country will email us their pitches and ideas and generally we don't open them or, or consider them because we just don't have capacity. And I would never want anyone, and Mish is the same, to think that that just means the idea is bad. Like some people just don't have the time or space to consider your idea properly. But if you know in your heart it's a good one, pursue it. Yeah, and Also, the fact that nobody knows what the next big thing or the next successful thing is going to be. People can have good hunches and people can have good instincts because they've probably picked up good ideas in the past. 
But right now, no one knows what the next thing's going to be. So you may as well back yourself if other people aren't backing you. And I'm just really glad that Zara and I did that in those early days when we got rejection after rejection. Because when you're two 23-year-olds and you've been rejected by every major podcast network <laughs> in the country, it'd be easy to kind of be like, okay, maybe we're not Take very good. <laughs> yeah, we're not very good. We shouldn't do this. But no. I'm just glad that we did it anyway because it meant we could get better. A bit of... Fist in the air, life-affirming um, advice and energy from the shameless girls, uh, Zara McDonald and Michelle Andrews. Uh, Annika, speaking of big life news, it's your birthday today. Happy birthday. Thank you, Tom. Yes, as you get into your 30s, ladies love having their birthdays announced to the world. So thank you so much for that. <laughs> How are you going to spend it? Look, it's COVID safe, of course. No big parties, but I will go out for dinner tonight. You, Merv, your fiancé, good times. Exactly. Intimate times, <laughs> being alone. Merv's the dog, by the way, the spotty Dalmatian. <laughs> Follow him on Instagram. And a happy birthday to you too, if it is your birthday today as you listen to this podcast. Thanks for giving us 20 minutes of your birthday, if that is the case. Um, we'll catch you tomorrow when we look at a new social media platform, OnlyFans. What is it? How does it work? And are there any problems with it? A Podcast One production.